This is what I will tell you from a well-balanced preacher. I'm very well-balanced. I'm, I'm a great apologetic. I don't talk about it here. I mean, I mean, what apologetics means is to defend. And, but I will tell you, there's a whole lot that we can get overwhelmed with in this life. But Jesus says, take heed, beware, get a hold of yourself. Make sure that the cares of this life does not choke you out. The German word for strangle is, is to suffocate slowly. Cares of this life, worry is the word for virgin, strangling. If we're not careful, we as the church, we should be the ambassadors and the representatives of what the invisible God should be, strong and secure. Not weak and frail and fluffy. And so sometimes if I come across a little strong at times, it's only because we're living in very difficult times. And at the moment, we really don't have time to play games or church any longer. Matthew chapter number 24, verse 30. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And so not to get off on prophetic eschatology this morning because that'll split the church more than anything, but Jesus called it in the New Living Testament, he called it Noah's day. Noah's day. It was Noah's day. It, it was not referred to as the devil's day, the Antichrist agenda, the sinner society, or the wicked world gone wild. It was referred to as Noah's day. God's attention and focus was set on Noah, Noah's faith, his obedience, and his commitment. When you see the word Noah's day or the day of Noah's day, the word day is a Latin word that basically means it's a term used to celebrate one's life or legacy. In Revelation chapter one, verse 10, John finds himself in Patmos, not on Patmos, but inside of a cave about 45 feet to 65 feet down, mining things about 80 years old. He's down by himself with a group of individuals except on this day. And he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's day is not a Saturday or a Sunday. It was Domitian's day. It was Nero's son's day. So when we talk about revelations, I don't talk about it much, but you found out about the four apocalypse horsemen last week about the colors. It's the Arab flags color. Green, black, red, and white. All the Arab countries that hate Israel, that is the four horses of apocalypse. If you weren't here last week, should have been here. We showed you what they represent. So he said, <clears throat> I found myself down in the hole by myself. Everybody else had the day off because they were out celebrating Domitian's day, Nero's son. It was a day set aside to worship him as deity, but John said, not me. There's only one God. I walk with him, I talk with him, I fish with him, I saw him do the impossible, and I promise you I refuse to acknowledge anyone else that is God or call him Kyriakos. Domitian Kyriakos means Lord over all. And so there's a lot in Revelations 1 dealing with the stars and the candlesticks and the hand, and there's a whole lot involved, but not this morning because I got a boat to catch. You didn't need to hear that, but I do. It's waiting on me at Lake Murray. <clears throat> So knowing this, that I, I, I do this with my grandsons. I have one, Alex, he's here somewhere. He's playing football, flag football and baseball last year. And that's funny, T-ball, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. You know, it's like a bunch of feral cats. That's what he really is. 
There's no sense of coaching. How can you coach a bunch of feral cows? You just get your lawn chair and watch them do, you know, they run backwards, they're out in the field, some the, in left field using the restroom, some are playing with their Hot Wheels, whatever they're doing. And then I had Simon play basketball, varsity basketball for Plainview. And, and the idea was that what, no matter what those other players and the kids are doing, my eye are, is on my children. Does anybody here besides me have grandchildren they love? You have kids you tolerate? I understand. <laughs> but when those kids are in a sporting event or maybe in a band concert or whatever, where's your focus? Where's your focus? The beauty pageant? You know the beauty pageant? Where's your focus? It's on your children. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ragging on them other kids. I guess they're all right. As far as I'm concerned, they should have all stayed home, but Alex should have played ball. He's the only one that was great that day. Even though we struck out three or four times, it was okay. Well, he, God referred to it as Noah's day. My focus and my attention was on him. You're, you're messed up. Turn to somebody and say, you're really messed up. That's why you're here today. You're watching too much news. You're staying up at 3 a.m. watching these infomercials. Quit doing it. Go to bed. The Bible said he will speak to his beloved while they sleep. What's going on in this world? I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about it because God's not worried. You don't have to lose a night's sleep and fear because fear is not of God. Fear is a phobia. Fear has torment. It's tormenting us. What's the end going to be? I don't know. Is he going to come back tomorrow? I don't know. Will the Antichrist take over? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is he told me to occupy and be faithful and be obedient, whatever the outcome may happen. It was Noah's day. God's eyes was on him. And, and you don't have to correct me, because, but here's the Bible says this, that, that evilness and weakness was so bad. The Nephilim, the giants was running around. And it was so bad that God said, I even repent I even made man and I'm going to destroy mankind because I repent that I even made it. Now I know, now listen, I know that it's bad right now. It's even as bad as it is today, but it's never recorded that God said what he said in Genesis. Chapter number six, he said, I, I, I repent I even made man because of the evilness continuously in their heart. And he said, it is so bad and wickedness and corruption is so bad. And the only reason why I don't is because of one man, Noah. And I made a promise to his great, 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 great grandmother that the true seed would come through him. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do some things. I want you to know this morning that no matter what the world is doing, that his eye is upon his children. This is your day. This is what you're doing. Who cares what the government's doing? Hey, if you're waiting for the politicians to get it right, you'll be dead a million years and they'll still be getting it wrong. He's watching you. His eyes on you. Everything that we say and do, that he, he, we are his own. And he called it Noah's day. The attention and focus of his commitment his obedience and his faith, God said that there's one here that I will not destroy the world as a whole because of him. God is watching 
his children today. Even a bunch of goofball, feral cats like yourself, God still loves us. That's good news. So I wrote this. <clears throat> so when is he coming back? I don't know. If anybody says they know, I would encourage you to get away, away from them, way away, like into another state. Noah and, 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 and the Lord's church today has a lot in common according to Christ. Number one, both of us has found God's grace, Genesis 6 and 8, Ephesians 2 and 8. Both of us are declared righteous, Genesis 6 and 9, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Both Noah and the church today have learned to walk by faith, Genesis 6 and 9 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Some of us has named our sons Ham, Genesis 6 and 10. The rest of you, I'm sorry about that. And both Noah and the church are being made perfect, Genesis 6 and 9, Philippians 1 and 6. If you don't know what Philippians 1 and 6, he said that I will perfect that which concerns you. The English word, the word perfect is spelt the same, but the hyphen, one's a verb, one's a noun. Perfect and perfect. Not only God has made us perfect, but now he's in the business of perfecting us. And next week we're going to learn out that we cannot do this on our own or by ourselves. That's why desperately we need the working of the Holy Spirit in our life to perfect us into the whatever that God has designed for our lives to be. Because remember, purpose has a twin called timing. And you may be called of God to do a specific thing, but we're going to find out that that timing of what God has called you to do. So the Bible says it's a funny term, and we can show this. Can we show Genesis 6 and 9? It says he was perfect in his generations. Can we show that real quick? What's that? <clears throat> Go to the next verse right quick. Is that possible? All things are possible with God and Ron and Jordan back there. <laughs> this is his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Got it? Go back to verse 9, the verse in front of it. And these are the generations of Noah. That Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. Isn't it amazing that this word generation in Hebrew, it means a quality or a characteristic that proceeds out of him. So when you go to verse 10, you think the generations is his children, and it is. His children come out of him. This is the generation. But isn't it amazing that the first thing it mentions, these are the generations of Noah, it gives you an internal quality and character that was coming out of him. Look at it. These are the generations of Noah. It's more, it, it's more than about him having three sons because it should have said these are the generations of Noah, Ham, Japheth, and Shem, but he doesn't say that. He said, these is what's coming out of Noah's life. More than three sons. God listed the qualities of what's coming out of him before he listed the physical qualities that's coming out of him. Wow. So like somebody said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I understand. But what's going on the inside of you first is important. 
So the generations of Noah is more than just three children. The generation of Noah, number one, he's a just man. He's a righteous man. He's perfect. In his generation, Noah walked with God. My encouragement for us today is understand what's going on. He said it's a pure pedigree. No mixture in marriage, no blending of bloods, no contamination of cultures, no pollutants of people. When he talks about that, that he was, he was, he was pure. He was just. He was righteous. These things have everything to do with what's going on the inside of him, not what is coming out of him. His, his children. And the reason why that God is paying attention to him because God can see the things that we cannot see. Hypocrite's the right word. Hypocrites. It means we wear a mask. That could be bad or good. But, but the Lord sees everything on the inside of us. And the reason why that his eye was on Noah, not only that he was part of the heritage, but here's the deal. His generations was pure. His motives was pure. His obedience was pure. He didn't do things when people was watching. He did things when people wasn't watching. He honored God when there was nobody around. He glorified God when he was inside of a church house. And God said, because of that, there was no mixture in marriage. He, he had the law written down to him. There was no blending of bloods, no corruption, no contamination of cultures, no pollutants of people. He said, I refuse to let anybody poison me from me honoring God with my mind, soul, and body. Way before Moses got the law. So I know, I, I, I know things you've done. I know you taught a class, you started a church, and I know that, but I really, what's really going on the inside of you? That's what God sees. Amen. Whether it be pride or arrogancy or arrogance or egotistical or false humility or all these things, what's really, really going on inside of you? And I'm so glad that I can't see that. So the idea that when he talks about that he was of a, of a pure generation, it means this. There was something that was pure. In the New Testament, we get the word for pure is where we get a word for catheter. A catheter is inserted and it's things like the devil. But if we don't do that, it, it, the body will poison itself. Jesus said, you're made clean, John 15, 3, by my words. It's the same word for pure, a pure heart. Catholic, one that's been catheterized. Blessed is the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's a great thing when God has inserted a catheter of the things of God, because once the poisons of all this filth and corruption and self-centeredness and self, all this stuff is released from your body, then you can really see God. It's amazing. So this morning, that the reason why that his eye was on him so much, because that that his motive in his heart was pure. It wasn't contaminated by different cultures. He refused to allow political things to corrupt him. He refused to allow religious people to infiltrate him because what's this? He's living in a society that God said, I wish I never would have ever made it. But there's one that sticks out. His heart's right. His mind is pure. He refuses to be contaminated by culture. He loves me. He honors me. And he glorifies me whether anybody's watching or not. And you know the deal about the boat. You know that it took hundreds of years to make it. You know all this. But what happens is what's going on bigger than building a boat, what's greater than a large ark being made is that God is being created greater in his life. 
That's what I'm after this morning in this church. I don't care how big the church gets. Do you want the church to be great or do you want God to be great in you? And I want the second. I want God to be great in you. And so this was Noah. This is what, as the days as Noah, in Noah's days, so will be the coming of the Lord. Is Jesus coming again? Absolutely. When's he coming? I don't know. But here's one of the signs. The more that I see the greatness of God, and the characteristics of God being manifest in your life is telling me that Jesus is coming soon because attributes of his righteousness and his grace and his tenderness is being produced and multiplied in your life. A heart of pureness. So Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 23, is kind of important, but this is what it says. That in those days also that, that our Jews had married the wives of, of Ashdod and Ammon and of Moab. The reason why this is kind of important is because if you don't know who Ashdod is, it, by definition, it was a city or a civilization of people that was not conquered by Judah. God told them to, and they didn't do it. Judah didn't do it. And because they didn't do it, it left the city of Ashdod alive and well. And where there is citizens, there's a civilization and culture. Ashdod means stronghold. Judah did not destroy it. And because it didn't destroy it, the citizens of that city began to produce their own culture and civilization, way of life. And Ashdod means stronghold. Moab and Ammon, these are Lot's two sons, and they were his incest sons. After they left Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abby knows that Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt, his poor old Lot, his daughters was convinced that they would never, ever have sons, so they slept with their own father. I don't agree with it. I don't like it. I didn't write the book. I'm just telling you the way it is. And they had two incest sons. One is Ammon and one is Moab. And the result of this consummation was found in the next verse, verse 24, and it says this, and their children, whose children? His two incest son that began this of Ashdod spoke in speech half Ashdod and half the language of the Jews, but according to the language of the people. You've heard me say this, but this is the problem when you get tangled up with other people that are not fully committed to Christ and his word. You begin to speak bilingual language. Don't look at me that way. On Sunday morning, oh, I got faith, brother. I got faith to move the mountains. Come Monday morning, I'm scared to death. I think the, the mailman's a terrorist. He's not a terrorist. He's, he's delivering the fruit of the cow. It's okay. He looked at me strange. You are strange. Just let him go. Because of the consummation of Lot that was illegally even to this day, that he had sons by his daughter, something horrible happened. That's why the Bible says, don't be mild. God's not mocked. Muthos is the word. God's not going to do a card trick under the table. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap it. That's the way it is. And what he sowed was wrong. And in that wrongdoing, a result, he had children. But both these children grew up to be the very Achilles heel to the Jews. They both, grew up in the territory, in the civilization of Ashdod, they both learned both languages. One 
was the language of the Jews, which was what? Blessing. And the, and the language of the Ashdod's were strongholds. Vices, habits, hangups, fears. And even as James, remember what James says? That bitter and sweet water should never come out of the same fountain. The same mouth perceived blessings and cursings and my brethren, these things should not be so. I'm telling you this morning, in the nicest, kindest way, Jesus Christ is coming back after his church. I'm telling you in a nice way that his eyes are always upon his children in this arena we call life. But don't ever make the mistake of hanging around the wrong people and the wrong culture and the wrong civilization and the wrong religion when you pick up another language. The only language that is worth repeating is the language that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it. The word of God is true. It's inerrant. And when you start, when you start hanging around people that want to fabricate wives' tales and fabricate myths and legends and, and, and take you on tangents, you, you better get out of the car, jump out if you need to and say, you know what? I don't want to learn that language. I'm not talking about cussing like policemen and prostitutes and, and plumbers. I'm talking about language that is not the language of the blessings that God instituted because we, watch this, don't fall over backwards, but the Apostle Paul said, now then we are the Jews, the church. We have been grafted in into Israel as Gentiles. And that made the Jews so mad they wanted to kill him. They tried to. And you've heard me say this, but, but here's what happened. You would, take, you would take an olive tree, which was, there's two types of olives. One was a wild olive it was Danny's old girlfriend, but I can't talk about that. But there was, a, there was a wild olive that grew wild black olives. And there was a domesticated olive that, that grew within the, the city. And that's what they would eat. And, and we've talked about this, but these black olives, these wild olives, you, you could use them for grease. You could use them for cooking. You could use them for greasing the axle wheel, combing your hair, putting on the beard. But the only thing that a, a black olive would not do, it would not burn. You could put it in a lamp and it would not burn. Only true olives oil could burn. And so what would happen before we met Christ, we were a wild olive. I mean, we did what we wanted to. There was no, there was no lie of the kingdom going on in our life. But what he would do that he would take a wild olive branch, cut it and tie it into the good olive tree and next year, it's amazing that wild olive branch would produce green olives. The more that I can get you around good, positive, biblical thinking, the more good fruit you will bear. But the more you stay home and the more you look in the mirror and the more you write your own book or how great you are, the more you'll continue to produce anything that's not really Christ-centered. That's why it's important for you to come to church because you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to get you to bear great fruit. And the way that we do that is put you in the right environment. Because if you're not careful, you're going to pick up a phone and somebody goes to another church and they're going to say, I don't know about it. What's Israel doing? I don't know. I think it's all over. I think we're all had for. No, you're not. What about these people coming to the border? They've been coming all along. It's okay. God's got this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? But I won't fear it. 
because fear is not of God. And either you trust God or you don't. And if I can't trust him with that, then I can't trust him with a headache or my finances. So we might as well sell this building and sell insurance. I don't know. I just trust God. I ain't got time to worry about it. I trust him. Strongholds are anything in your life that'll cause you to be distracted. Now, the New Testament word for stronghold is, word, is a Greek word called archeroma. It's a prison cell that was built without walls, excuse me, without bars. It was Roman torture. They would build it. It was brick by brick. It was a circular and they would build in themselves and they would incarcerate themselves through brick. Here's the deal. They would provide the brick. The enemy would, would provide the mortar. It's possible that you have, your whole life, you have incarcerated yourself into a stronghold, an archeroma, and you find yourself, you cannot get out. Oh, I'm, it's quiet now. Huh? Here's a brick. It's just a cuss word. It's just anger. It's just a little fear. It's just a little of this. It's, just, it's no big deal until the mortar sets up. You're right. That brick only weighs just a few ounces. You're 100% right. And, and, and oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. I'm, I'm, I can get out here anytime I want to. Absolutely. And then you find yourself into a, a prison cell that you, you encased yourself in. The mortar sets up and now you find yourself trapped. I can't get out. Something happened to you when you were growing up. Somebody molested you. Somebody raped you. Somebody did something wrong to you. I'm sorry. Somebody worked you over when you were young. I'm very sorry about that. Somebody murdered your parents. I am so sorry. Things happened to you and through the years, what you happened is, is that you've allowed these things to incarcerate you, your mind and your thoughts, your actions. And you, and you wake up one day and you look around and you, and you say to yourself, at the moment, it didn't seem like a big deal, but I can't get out. I can't get free. I can't get loose. I can't be free in God. I hear everybody else talking about it, but I can't because you've been incarcerated into a stronghold. A stronghold is not changing the shackle. A stronghold is a prison cell made by brick and mortar. And in that brick and mortar, they can't get out. They can't climb out. That's why the Bible said in Corinthians, he said, only God can pull down strongholds. The word pull down is a key word, tear them down. Strongholds is Octoroma. It's, it's, it's this configuration of a cell that was made by your own hands. And, you can't, and one day you wake up and you can't get out of it. That's why it's so important this morning that when you understand that Ashdod, the language of the Jews, was complete opposite of the language of the Ashdods. As a matter of fact, it made Nehemiah so mad when he heard them speaking half Ashdod and half the language of the Jews. You know what he did? He didn't say, oh, it's okay. It's all right. You know what he did? The Bible said he plucked their hair out. Read it. It made him so mad. You know why? Because 52 days ago, he witnessed the city of David being burned to the ground. He walked through the rubble for 70 years that it was burnt 70 years before, but 52 days before this, he really got a bird's eye view of the disgrace and the rubble and the shame that happened to God's city. And this is what he said. He said, you and your compromising mentality allowed this to happen to God's temple. And I refuse to let this happen again. 
I don't want to hear about fear. I don't want to hear about vices. I don't want to hear about hangups. I want to hear victory, confidence. God is great. God is greater than our imperfections. Even though we can't do it, God can do all things. That's what I want to hear. I don't care about your Baptist doctrine. You can take that and 50 cents and buy a cup of coffee. I don't care about your Pentecostal doctrine. Who cares anything about that? I want to know what King Jesus has got to say. And the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? If God says no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper, then so be it. If God has said, I'm not, the, I'm not the tail, but I'm the head. If God said, I'm not beneath, I'm above, then I'm going to believe that. And I'm not going to go back into a bilingual language. I'm going to declare what God has said through his word, period. And if I catch you in this church house speaking the language of strongholds and vices and all this stuff, God said, I have his permission to jerk you bald-headed. How's that? Remember, both faith and fear feeds from the same set of circumstances. When you feed your faith and starve your fears, soon you'll discover that doubt and unbelief will have to move out or they'll just starve to death. But don't worry about them. There's plenty of folks in the church. They'll still feed them well. Psalms 34, 15 says this, that the eyes of the Lord are always upon the righteous. So this morning, the, the simple part of this message is that as it was in Noah's day, so it will be when Christ comes again, the coming of the Lord, whether it be Perusa or his second advent. He said, my attention is not on evilness and politicians and Hamas and, and all these things. And my attention is on my sons and daughters. And what I see with them is characters, generations of kindness, of giving, of servantry, and, and obedience and commitment to me. That's something on the inside. And I think that's growing in your life today. I think you have to admit that even though in the last few years that we've had great since the COVID breakout we've had great opposition and great friction but can we just agree without getting too rowdy here that something on the inside is getting greater it is for me because I don't speak two languages I only speak one that's the word of God And even though it's been the last rough couple of years or three or four years, but there's something, remember what I told you that you can take a football and you can have 22 men that weighs over 200 pounds and for four quarters, they can kick it, they can throw it, they can slam it, they can dunk it. And that football, the end of the game is just as full as it was as when they started. But you take the same football and sit in the backyard for a week and the thing will go flat. Because the law physically says that the greater amount of pressure that comes against an object is the great inertia that comes within it. Could it be that all this stuff is going on right now 
You've been kicked around, you've been passed around, you've been punted around, you've been thrown around. And, you, and, and I know you got a complaint list to God and say, oh, poor me. But could it be that in that, there's something, this inertia pressure is building up. Greater is he that's in me than he that is trying to come against me. And I will tell you, without, without opposition, without friction, you're just, no, turn to somebody and say, you're just a flathead. Just tell them that. You're just a flat buddy, nutty. I'm not afraid of the end times. I'm not afraid of the tribulation. I'm not afraid of any of that. God, his eyes is upon us. I will not be afraid. I refuse. His eyes on you this morning. Father, we believe that your word is true. And like our great, 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 great grandfather Noah, we have a lot in common. You called us righteous. You called us just. You called us perfect. Your words that says, be perfect as your father is perfect. You've declared these things of a pure pedigree in Noah's life and still you liken them to us today because not only did you do a work in Noah's life, you're doing a work in our life right now. There's people sitting right here this morning. There's something, there's a kingdom that's growing with great intensity in their life right now. The dynamics of God is getting stronger. The Word of God is getting more effective. The strength of God is being evident in your life with persecution and tribulation. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. God, if you're for us, who can be against us? There's nothing impossible with you. And I pray right now that we, as your sons and daughters, before we leave this place, we are convinced of this fact. That this is our day. This is our time. This is our dispensation as the people and the sons and daughters of God that we as Noah, that we will demonstrate the character of our father. And we're going to be strong and we're going to be confident. We're going to be, have a quiet and a sure spirit. We won't speak two languages. We won't speak the language of fear, doubt, and unbelief, but we'll only speak the language of the Jews. We'll speak language of, of blessings, of confidence, of trusting God. King David said, some will put their trust in horses and chariots, but I choose to put my trust in the Lord our God. Thank you this morning for always having your eye on us. As I watch little Alex play ball, my eye is always on him. Thank you for always watching us with a careful eye. And Father, until that time comes, then let it be said of your church that we are strong and we're generous and we resemble the nature of our Father in Jesus' name. And all God's sons and daughters say amen. amen. Turn to somebody and say, I ain't gonna talk no trash no more, no more. We ain't gonna do it. I'm gonna forget that language. I'm only gonna say what God says. By His stripes I am healed. I'm confident of it. God will make a way where there is no way. 
And I, I'm certainly convinced of that. Let's stand this morning and give the Lord a praise offering. He is worthy to be praised today. Amen. <clears throat> We're going to find out next week. The Holy Spirit's come to help us do that. Communion servers, make your way this morning. Turn to about three people and say, I love you. I love you. You're a goofball at times, but I love you. My goodness. <laughs> Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you. Thank you for depositing qualities in us of kindness and love and affection, tenderness, commitment, obedience, because it all came from you. Thank you. And help us this morning to live a life that may cause others to want to know the source of our life, and that's King Jesus. That night the Lord sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup that we take every week. He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the unleavened bread. He took it and they broke it. He said in John 6, that your fathers did eat of the bread that my father sent from heaven, but they hungered again. But if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. Remember, Jesus left us in peace, not in pieces. And then he took the cup. It was the third cup. There was four of them that night. This was the third one, the cup of redemption. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the first Passover, the lamb's blood that was taken in the shape of a cross. And upon the doorpost, when the Abaddon or the death angel would sit that first night, he would pass over. And he said, now my father will take my blood and place in the shape of a cross that whosoever believes in me shall never perish. And when you take the bread and when you take the cup, Jesus said, remember me. Put your eyes on me. Father, this morning, one of the greatest things that we've been commanded to do is remember what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. So we celebrate the cup and the bread this morning and bless those that receive it in Christ's name. And the people of God said, amen. And amen.